From the team at CTS, this is the Train Ride Podcast, our show for endurance athletes who want to learn how to train more effectively and improve their performance. I'm Coach Adam Pulford, your host for the cycling edition of the show, where it's my job to interview top coaches, scientists, experts, and athletes in the world of cycling to bring you actionable training tips that you can apply to your own training. Now, let's dive into the show and learn how you can train right. This podcast episode is brought to you by ESI Grips. As coaches here at CTS, we spend many hours on the bike working with athletes at training camps, making the equipment we use extremely important. We need equipment that's high quality and built to last. That's why we ride with ESI Grips. Their RCT wrap and mountain bike grips are made in the USA and provide us with superior comfort, grip, and durability that we depend on. We've put ESI grips through the test on long switchback descents, roads riddled with potholes, rough gravel races, and techie Colorado mountain bike single track. And there's just no question, they are the best. You always have grip when you need it, cushion to your comfort, and you get to just enjoy the ride that much more. Gary and Maria, our friends and owners of ESI Grips, are giving you 35% off your next order with coupon code TRAINRIGHT. Head over to ESIGrips.com to get your discount and see why we love their grips so much. This episode of the TRAINRIGHT podcast is brought to you by Stages Cycling, the industry leader in accurate, reliable, and proven power meters and training devices. Stages Cycling offers the widest range of power meter makes and models to fit any bike, any drivetrain, and any rider. They're all manufactured in their Boulder, Colorado facility, and they've expanded their offerings to include the Stages Dash line of innovative and intuitive GPS cycling computers, covering a full range of training and workout-specific features to make your workouts go as smooth as possible. And now Stages is applying its decade of indoor cycling studio expertise with the new Stages Bike Smart Trainer. Check it all out at www.stagescycling.com. Hey, Allison, how's it going? Oh, it's Coach AP. Going well. How are you? (laughs) I know. I I actually get to see you and um, that's weird. Usually it's just text messages and lots of calls. We don't do the video calls. It's true. Yeah. You and I used to see each other a lot more when, uh, bike racing was a thing and, and you were, uh, bike racing on the road with skinny tires a lot more, but then, um, the gravel happened then the COVID happened and <laughs> now I never see you. So yeah. this is a treat. <laughs> um, <laughs> thanks for, thanks for talking to me again, you know, a couple of times a week. So, Hey, this is good. That's it. That's it. Well, this, I, you know, have to admit, I mean, this, uh, the idea for this podcast, basically kind of your idea, a little bit of Chris's idea rolling off of Leadville, which we'll talk about. Um, and I really want to hear, or I want you to tell the story about your Leadville to, uh, lead boat, let's call it. Um, but before that, I mean, people have heard you on this podcast before we, you and I did the episode actually with Dirk and talk about the coach athlete relationship. And for those interested in that, you can go back and, and look in the podcast list for that one. But, you know, since people have heard you on the show before, um, some of them may have not. So to bring them up to speed, you were a pro tour rider, you won some bike races, you went to the gravel scene, you won more bike races, and you did all this while still working professionally. Um, what else should we add to that? Yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, 
I uh, definitely raced at the world's highest level for a long time, um, found gravel, which now apparently is also racing at the world's highest level, <laughs> depending on who you ask. But um, I've balanced a full-time career. I'm a biochemist by trade, turned communications, storytelling, marketing, um, started a company over COVID, Saga Ventures, um, with my partner. And uh, we started doing that. Um, that was like my sourdough bread. <laughs> So I was starting at Saga Ventures and our first project was just selling bandanas, which I know uh, the listeners have heard about for scholarships uh, for female identifying athletes. Uh, The first set went to NorCal High School Cycling League, which is part of NICA. And then we just help brands activate, communicate, tell stories, um, do some consulting. So it's been fun to kind of branch out as a portfolio career. you know, super funny cowgirl biochemist to this. So, um, bikes was a really great asset. Um, and we've talked about this before, but one of the biggest metrics I think that's helped that success is, is finding that balance and having a coach, like tell me when or not to let my crazy go. And then the structure to organize my week and have a full-time job. So I know we've talked about that, but I'm, I'm big preacher on that is just finding that balance. Um, and you don't have to do all the hours, which you always constantly remind me. I don't have to be everything to everyone. So thank you for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, you're welcome. And it's, it's true. I mean, you have, you have a lot of energy and I think it's, um, I think it's rad that you've been able to, uh, you know, funnel it into all the different things off the bike as well as the bike, but, mm-hmm. you know, left up to your own device. I mean, it would be like 30 hour weeks and full sends and let's do this and let's do this blaze. So, I mean, you, you you definitely have to put some, some boundaries on, on Alice and otherwise it gets a little out of control. So. Yeah. And then you don't beat yourself up when you can't fit it all in, you know, like you can give me an hour and a half workouts, an hour workout if I need it, or, you know, I have the freedom to tell you, Oh my gosh, I'm so stressed. <laughs> and you're like, exactly. yes. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> or hey, don't talk whiskey. to me. I want to have whiskey and have fun. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a time and place for both. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, but so we'll talk more about that. Uh, on this episode, because balance, even though, I mean, balance, balance is a tricky one. I don't think it really exists, even though we, we talk about it a lot. Uh, so we can, we can philosophize about that and then talk about how we bring it into your life as well. Um, but recently you decided to do your first mountain bike race, right? Yep. Sure. Thanks. Um, Signed right up for that. <laughs> exactly. And, and you fully went for it. Um, and I would, I, I'll be honest with you, like, uh, the prep and the outcome in my head was drastically different than the actuality of it. Would, would you say it was that similar to what was in your head? Yeah. When, when we planned this out, I mean, cause of course we planned it for 2020, right. And then that didn't happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had this all planned out and then we kind of just kept planning for it like we did in 2020 and just carried it over a year, you know? doing all the denominator things. Um, and no, it didn't, it didn't turn out how we planned, but it's not either of our faults. <laughs> it's just life, you know, life happens. So. Yeah, that's it. And I think like the idea for this, this episode really is like kind of a tell all of maybe how like a coach and an athlete can do all the, like the cool planning and all the things and also do, do, bikes or like do an event where somebody's actually really good at doing bikes and then all of a sudden you know what there, there's a lot of nuances and specificity that may not fit into that athlete profile that you can also learn from too so 
So it, you want to have a tell-all and, and just yeah. go for it here? Uh, yeah, you know me. I tend to overshare. So, I mean, Blaze is sitting on the other side. So if I overshare too much, she'll probably actually let me do it. Just leave the room because <laughs> he doesn't yeah, want to hear the story he'll walk again. Away. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he'll walk away. And you know that it's going to be getting good at that time. But I, I will say if Blaze wants to make a cameo and uh, show up here, uh, feel free. Because he might actually have some more factual information to throw in too. So. Oh, he, you can make a cameo. You can have factual information if I go off course. <laughs> <laughs> Keep keep us here. Keep us balanced here too, Blaze. That's that's all I'm saying. Yeah, he's all about that balance. He's like you know the calm in my chaos. So, and after yeah. we just did this, he, he did it as well, which we'll dive into. But um, he did lead boat and it was this whole six week preparation into this lead boat event with me. And um, he doesn't really want to look at his bike right now. He doesn't want to sign up for another event. He doesn't know I've signed him up for every event next year. Um, haven't told him yet. So yeah, yeah, best not to tell him. That's yeah. that's a better plan. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, sorry you got dragged into all this, Blaze, but um, <laughs> yay bikes. Yay bikes. <laughs> he feels so lucky. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right, Allison. Let's set the stage here. Like, where did the idea come from? Like, why why did you want to do Leadville 100 Mountain Bike? So the funny story is Christy Moan, who is all things gravel at Unbound 200. So she works for Lifetime, but prior to it being acquired by Lifetime, she's been like OG at Unbound 200. Um, and she's a dear friend. She's awesome. And I get a text from her. I may or may not have had a, like a glass or two of wine. I don't remember. I remember I'm sitting like basically right here. And she's just like, hey, can I sign you up for a crazy idea? And I'm just stoked to get a text from my really good girlfriend who's just like a badass cyclist and like helps all this stuff. I love her. I'm a huge fan. So I'm just like, sure, sign me up. And she's like, don't you want to know what you just signed up for? Maybe you should ask me that first. And I was like, oh, eh, no, I'm good. And then she's like, well, you're doing Leadville. And then the next day doing Steamboat. Cool. But can we like talk for a little bit? Because I want to act like you were a hard sell. <laughs> like, that took 30 seconds. <laughs> and, and then I think I texted you right after. I'm like, well, doing yeah. Leadville and Steamboat. Here we go. <laughs> and you're like, have you ever ridden a mountain bike? I'm like, no, no. And uh, so that's how the idea was fostered. Um, I think actually, originally it was because Leadville happened to be the day before Steamboat and two Steamboat Gravel, so SBT Gravel. Um, and there are two, you know, dirt events, give or take, in Colorado the same weekend that wanted to bring large crowds of people and they wanted to align um, and not compete. So they thought they'd make a fun challenge. Like, could you do both in the same weekend? Which ended up being, what, what did we do? Like almost 258-ish miles or something mm -hmm. in a period of, I don't know, very short, like two days. Yeah, um, yeah less than two yeah. days all up at extreme altitude. So it's, it's, yeah. it's not a... It's not an easy task. Let's put that. But way. I actually, um, I really was inspired by that challenge. So pre-COVID, for 2019, this was the challenge that actually was my most inspirational one because I thought, oh, I don't have to race to win either event anymore. Like I get to go and just challenge myself on a mountain bike, which I don't know much about. And then Steamboat, I don't need to necessarily be like throwing elbows to go and win. I can just like go and enjoy a day. And I'm like, Oh, that'll be fun. And I thought it was going to be a new, which it was a new physical and mental challenge for me just to finish, to enjoy it. Like my goal, I think we talked about was, you know, mainly like, obviously I'm going to finish each one borrowing, you know, barring like 
cat your video. bike is crushed in half or something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to finish each one, but I wanted to enjoy it, feel strong and like really kind of conquer the day. It, it turned out to be a race and I didn't actually know that and I don't mind. Um, but for me, my goal stayed the same, just, you know, enjoy it, don't die, like have fun and then see what I could do physically and mentally. Um, so with that, I think that was mission accomplished, but that was 2019. It got pushed to 2020. And then what ended up happening is, um, you know, all these events just got freaking smashed in where once we were allowed to travel, I'm doing, you know, gravel locos to unbound to Oregon trail, gravel grinder, to, you know, and you just keep doing events. And so it was a lot of, we did a solid three months of almost every weekend riding our bikes. I don't know. Yeah, you're on track right now. Like if if you were to carry on like this trend of volume, this would be your highest volume year. So let's not do that actually. And this is also, (laughs) this is somebody folks who rides about 900 to 960 hours per year. So like the, the condensed version of what they've done so far, it's actually, it's, it's quite a bit. So, uh, now we seek balance, Allison. Here's where we. Yeah. yeah. This is yeah, where yeah, we yeah, stop signing yeah. up for things. I haven't told you what I've no. done. I'm just kidding. I think I'm good right now. <laughs> of course. It's always that. Allison, I mean, you're, I mean, you've got a lot of miles in the legs, a lot of hours in the saddle. Um, so this big challenge right up your alley, but like at the same time, were you nervous for doing your first mountain bike race? That's, Oh, by the way, a hundred miles long. I actually was probably more excited for that. Um, because the longer is probably a little less spicy and like pointy in where I feel like I had to go full send. And I thought the endurance part wasn't terrifying. The high altitude was, um, it was more of making sure I temper my expectations and effort. So I think that was fine. I mean, it was probably, I think we talked about it. Like when I got to that start line, I had zero nerves. Like I was really happy to be there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was just having fun, hugging like and kissing my friends. Um, and, I had Blaze next to me. And as you know, the thing I was most terrified about was um, just getting down power line descent. So because I'm not a mountain biker, I call them, I think I told you bowling balls. Like I was most worried about bowling balls because I knew I was going to climb well, I was going to ride well. And then all the way that first, however long until you get to power line and you, you were talking me through the course, which we'll go over later. But you know, like, we do this as bikers, right? Like we take these iconic events like Leadville and I have never done Leadville, never raced my mountain bike yet. I know the names of all the sectors, you know, and like people talk about it, you know, and it's these like glorified and then you do this and then you do like Columbine and then there's this. And you're like, I am, I can't like, I don't want to like, and that's what was like, all that was building up. And I knew I could handle everything after just getting down power line descent. Cause I'm like, Oh no, I'm going to climb well. And then I'm going to have thousands of people that are so much better at descending a mountain bike than I am. And I really, you know, for those listening that know me, I mean, I had a traumatic brain injury and then we'll go into my lead up to this race. So I was extra cautious. I'm like not hitting my head. And so, but then I also don't want to get in people's way. Like, I'm like, I don't want to get in their way, but I also need to get down it. So that I think was my biggest fear was just that one descent, which unfortunately I fit right into that mold of like glorifying this one descent that A, I didn't see, which we'll go into later. And then B, like I fit in every cyclist thing where I'm like, I just got to get power line and then there's going to be bowling balls and they're going to get mad at me. And I was really nervous about that. Just like a three mile descent, right? Or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. No. And that's, you know, that's what I tell people I've coached. I've done Leadville four times. I coach at least 
three people for it every single year since, oh man, this, and I originally raced it back in like 2008 when there was oh. maybe like 800 riders, um, doing the event. So I've seen it really evolve. And, um, from a, I, and I identify as a mountain biker more than anything. And overall, like I would say the race is not that technical, right. Um, from a mountain biking standpoint, however, you know, you talk to certain people, everybody has their own opinion on it. However, it, I mean, it's just a lot of gravel. Um, there's some single track, uh, power line gets a little gnarly this year. It was blowing out a lot more because of the rain that was um, there before. And then just a lot of dry, but overall, like I've seen this race evolve over the years and now it's, um, how many racers were there? 2,500 this year. Yeah. Yeah. So just a (laughs) ton, which, you know, definitely increases the, the tech technical side of things and also the nerves and all this kind of stuff. So like, I hear you, I feel you. I wouldn't want to be around 2,500 bowling balls going down power line. Especially when you're as slow as me going down that. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So uh, I, I would, okay, let's go back to the start line. You're hugging, you're kissing. Blaze is like, oh my God, like what is going on? I'm just here because you are. Like, let's just talk about the race. Like there's all the, build, uh, it's cold, all the things. There's the countdown. What's what's going on besides hugging and kissing everybody? Yeah, and yeah, Blaze didn't want to really be starting with me, but um, he did. <laughs> he wanted oh, to be they, starting they like put the him very up back. In the, yeah, the gold crowd or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and uh, <laughs> he's up there and it was so funny because I like, as a, my emotional support animal, you know, I'm like, I, I, you need to just be here. Cause I'm not racing to win. I'm, um, enjoying the day, but, uh, yeah, they, they were like, Let, let's talk to blaze. Does he want to be there? I'm like, no, they're like, I know. So I'm like, have you guys ever been in a relationship? He need, like, <laughs> do you want me to show up? Cause I'm going to be terrified. So the poor guy like went real hard with me at the start, um, yeah. which is not what he wanted to do. So his story is much different on that. But, um, it's funny. Uh, so yeah, we're at the start and it counts down. Everyone told me how cold it would be. This must have been a warmer year, or maybe I just wasn't as nervous, or I don't know something. But You're just tougher, you know, probably not. <laughs> yeah, and we started on the descent. I heard about this whole descent in the first turn. Everything was fine, and then you talked to me at least through you know the first climbs, and um, you can you can talk about your word chunky, um, because I didn't know it's that a was word. a word. <laughs> it's a it's a it's mountain bike word. That's why you didn't yeah. know it. Yeah, chonky. chonky. Yeah, uh, definition bike? of yeah. definition of chonky is big rocks nested with other big rocks, and then like some sand in between. But like real chonky. That's the definition yeah. of chonky. Real chonky. Thank you. I didn't know the You're definition welcome. of chonky, yeah. and then like I actually was like, okay, is it sugar loaf? Right? It's chonky, and going up it yeah. didn't even notice. Yeah. Like I felt great. I'm on cloud nine. I'm just like cruising with my friends, making groups. And um, coming back, of course, descending that, I was like, oh, chonky A. Oh, chonky. Uh-huh. <laughs> I hated it. Um, but that's fine. So anyway, chonky is a word. Chonky. We're here to help. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, that was the start was just about, I think, riding smooth. Um, they did wave starts, which was nice, you know, so pretty low stress. I mean, I just slotted in, climbed, had fun, talked to some friends. And, and it was actually, I thought the start was more mellow a lot more mellow than like an unbound start. Like mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, like people aren't trying to all like get a whole shot and kill somebody like in 200 miles. Like I, that, cause unbound starts like a road race, but you, you're yeah. like, I'm not going to see you guys again for another 12 hours, but cool. 
Um, and this one I thought was actually pretty mellow and nice. So I appreciated that. Yeah, that's good. And it's, I mean, you go down, you hit St. Kevin's and everybody was like, and I think the wave, uh, start probably helped with that too. Cause sometimes mm-hmm. in years past, uh, without wave starts, it's just like uh, the whole, uh, pony show starts and the people that are like in the way back purple corrals are trying to sprint up. Cause it's like a three mile downhill. Um, and they're trying to move up and all the things, but, um, so yeah, as soon as you hit dirt, I mean, what was it like out there? Um, I thought it was really nice. It was gravel, like, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. especially cause you just kind of start gradually climbing after that pavement descent, which yeah. was fine. And it was, uh, it was nice, like super comfy on a mountain bike. So it's a little different than a gravel bike where there's, you know, lines are a little more important. And, and so coming from a road background turned, you know, all things gravel, you know, I'm used to kind of that squirrely feeling. So I really enjoyed being on a, I did a full squish bike. Like, I mean, I did the Epic Evo. I don't even know what travel that is. And it was awesome. So I'm like, I didn't do like, I, I got the, I borrowed the bike so we can go in that, but I borrowed this bike, um, because you know, guys bike boom. Right. Um, and I raced for specialized full disclosure and they were wonderful, but I grabbed a, you know, photo shoot bike and I borrowed it because, uh, we didn't have bikes. Uh, so yeah. Yeah. For all those struggling to find bike parts, I'm right there with you. And and so are all my partners and <laughs> we're, we're doing our on best. The struggle bus too. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, you know, I did some podcasts prior, like talking tire pressure tires. I'm like, literally it's just out of the box. Like however you buy an Epic Evo, like that's what I got. That's my setup. <laughs> and, um, I don't even so know. So what was your snag set at Allison? My what? <laughs> Sorry, sorry, sorry. (laughs) Whatever was in the box. Whatever was in the box, the tires, everything. Um, SRAM, of course, and it came with SRAM, which is great because bike parts hard to come by. And uh, and it was a size too small, but um, it's not my fault. I um, that's how they used to race in the two thousands. Yeah, small bike, large stem. A retool fit right before, and um, everyone's making fun of me when I I show pictures of it, um, because it's got a one ten stem, and I guess that's not real mountain bikey. But like just, I said, it's old, it's old school mountain bike. So like yeah. everybody who, who knows they knew and they were like, yeah, that's rad. Allison. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't get a lot of that's rad. They were like, your bike's too small. And I'm like, well, I know, but it actually was really comfortable. And when Todd, the founder of retool actually looked at it, uh, right before yeah. two days before, like what could possibly go wrong, get fit on your yeah. new bike. Yeah. And, um, he looked at it and I wanted to get the blessing of God. I told him, you know, just like, check it out, make sure it's fine. Um, just tell me it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. And he was like, well, it's what you got. It's perfect. <laughs> you know? So, um, blaze borrowed a bike the day before. So he actually rode a Epic hardtail. So his bike was 17 pounds. He lost 10 pounds in his uh, mountain bike alone. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. This, this is impressive. And this is all, this is all fodder for our, our learnings session here in, in just yep. a minute. But as you can tell for our listeners here in this story, there, there's a lot of things that we, we both learned throughout this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and let's just say all three of us, Blaze included here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, so he learned a thing. You're, you're on the small bike. bike. He doesn't want to sign up for events with me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> He's like, I think I like my so you're going. I, I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but you're going, I mean, but overall, like the bike's not atrocious, even, even, even Todd approved it, but like not a huge issue. No, the bike is amazing. Um, I don't think I changed much. I, like, for me, not having confidence or enough experience on a mountain bike, like I don't, a can't like probably tell the difference. 
like saddle height, yeah. pressure points, good. And then, yeah, maybe it had too much travel or something or whatever it's called, but it was like confidence inducing. Um, and I didn't know any better. So like it was perfect for me. And honestly, if you're going to be all weight weenie on that stuff, like, I, uh, like Blaze even said, like he did the hardtail and he, he actually kind of thought you, he wished he had the epic, you know, and maybe not the Evo mm-hmm. that's more travel. Um, but he was, he loved the bike, but you know, he's like, Oh, maybe I wouldn't mind a little more suspension, you know, yeah. like it's a long yeah. day. For sure. For sure. And I was just going to say like quick, quick, like point to note here is like, how tall are you by the way, Allison? Five, nine. Five nine, yeah. Uh, five nine, five ten, maybe. I feel like you're taller than that. I'm five nine, but I like I like I'm like a seventy five point six um, saddle height and really oh, long okay. reach. So I like I ride a one ten, like one ten on my road bikes and a fifty six yeah. road bike. So I'm right in between that medium and large for a mountain bike. But I'm a fifty six yeah. solid road bike with like long stem and pretty darn high like seat height. Like mm-hmm. Blaze is six feet and he and I are seat height within. Yeah. So your long leg, short torso, long arm. Okay. So my point there is you're, you're kind of a tweener, right? Like you're, mm-hmm. you're between sizes. And so with mountain bikes in particular, I mean, that's, uh, that's fine. And you can run a little smaller than that with a longer stem and that's all good. And then I was going to say too, like a course like this and where mountain bikes have gone is uh full suspension. It, it's, it's light, it's cushy, it's meant and designed to help you climb on the chonky stuff as well as descend on the chonky stuff to help you be more efficient. So the kind of this, uh, this idea of, uh, hardtail, even for endurance events like Leadville, sometimes when you have that full suspension and maybe it only adds a pound or less or something like that, it's not bad. So like all this setup, maybe I would want Allison to have the bike a, a little bit longer and do some more riding on it. But like overall, the setup was actually pretty solid. So yeah, it was super solid. Up. Um, and same thing with riding my gravel bikes, which we've done. Like, so I started with a mm-hmm. camelback, which yep. the real pro pros that are like racing full gas, like they don't want the extra weight. Cause immediately after that initial descent, you go just climb for a while. Yep. But I know the way I am getting, <laughs> getting bottles out and all of that and not being as confident on um, having a camelback chase vest. I wore exactly what I'd use it unbound. And then I just have like kind of a portable straw there to just make sure I'm hydrating and staying on top of nutrition when it's early and cold. So yeah, I did a very similar. And and when I ride gravel, I mean, so I do ride racer specialized, but you know, the diverge has a little bit of, it has a feature shock 2.0 in it. So I get a little bit of travel, a little bit of cush and bigger tires. I, I just learned, I like the cush and bigger tires, like almost the better really. Like yep. for me, if I'm comfortable and confident, I go faster. And that's just it. Like we, even talking about your race setup, like with the Camelback for her, um, it's, it's always a go-to. So keeping it simple and having the confidence that was like, okay, first mountain bike race, but keep everything the same like this. Um, okay. So we head up Sugarloaf, we go down how, how much of a freak out mode were we in during power line? Oh, full freak out. So we go down full. power line mm-hmm. and, and blaze is riding with me. And, and guys, I'm just saying, we're not racing to win. This isn't like weird team tactics. It's actually like, he wants to make sure I don't die, <laughs> like not die, but well, maybe cause we don't want to hit heads. Right. And then also yeah. just panic and anxiety. Um, and he was also trying to help people pass me safely because like for me to actually, and not, not that they're in danger. It's like me, like, I don't know what I'm doing. And <laughs> to give the people behind you, like a heads up, like, Hey, you actually, you want to give some space to this one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, I get um, it. I get it. So that was, uh, that was fun. Um, and then I just, 
the people kept coming. <laughs> like hundreds. And I'm like, well, Allison, you, you started like maybe 20th and you have <laughs> 2,480 people behind you. Yeah. So they didn't stop. And they were all being so nice. Like, you got it, girl, Ellie. You know, they're being so nice. But I'm also like, yeah. I just don't want to ruin their day. You know, I don't want my day ruined. Yeah. But really, it's, it was about them. Um, yeah. Like, I want to mountain, set them Mountain bikers are nice. Mountain bikers are super rad. I oh, hope my you goodness. They are like the nicest. I don't even know mm-hmm. how I'm so lucky to have all those people out there. Like, I was smiling most of the time. Not on power line. And then I got so nervous, Adam, um, that your stomach starts doing that, you know, kind of like sounds like a toilet is flushing. Yeah. Yeah. Like an Ace Ventura pet detective type thing. Like there's like, yeah. and I'm reference. just saying, I'm getting so nervous and I'm like, my heart rate's getting higher and higher and I'm not pedaling. Right. Like I'm just yeah. trying to like coast down this right. hill and I'm getting so heart nervous. I'm sweating now yeah. thinking of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, I gotta go to the bathroom. Like things are not going to stay in anymore. I don't know mm-hmm. what's in there, but it's evacuating the dance floor Something right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm like getting more nervous and like telling Blaze, I'm like, I think I should go to the, I, should I go to the bathroom? Should I not? <laughs> He's, I'm like, how about here? And he's just like, just, just commit, go. <laughs> so, to the bathroom or to the line? Um, like to the, some trees. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you pulled off on power line to, to go or did yeah, you? Yeah, I did. Yeah, you no, I pulled okay. off. And then it was nice because then people could pass me then, but once again, they kept coming and then we had to keep pedaling. So the poor guys sitting yeah. there like, he's done. I'm like, should I start again now? Like, what? But there's so many people. So um, I made it down. Yeah. I was pretty proud of myself. I was like, I think I like did like 16 miles an hour down that real steep party. He's like, or like eight, but <laughs> you were close. <laughs> it's your, it's, it was your Everest, Allison. It was yeah, your it Everest. was just that yeah. descent was my Everest. And then the rest of it was just like my jam. I was freaking loving it. Um, yeah. Meanwhile, folks, that were like, what, 20 miles into this race of 100 mm-hmm. miles? Yeah. yeah. All and right then, then I was. Yeah. Then this I'm podcast like, awesome. might go longer than I thought. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, then that's like pretty simple, right? Like it was just kind of my jam and it was really fun. Um, and yeah, I didn't, r- road yeah. race tactics, right? That yeah. was your jam. You told me to get in the groups. I got groups and I was pulling yeah. them. Like I was feeling great. Everything was great. Um, I loved all the climbs, the single track. I probably stuffed it a little bit. Like people are, but they were also nice. Like no one's yelling at me, telling me to move. And those weren't scary. I just don't go as fast as some people would probably wish I was going. Cause that's yeah. their only like time to like shine in their mountain bike portion of the race. And there I am like, yeah. Oh, there's a switchback. There's a switchback. <laughs> <laughs> but they were all really nice. And like, I unclipped a couple times, let guys like pass and stuff. And they yeah. were all yeah, yeah, yeah. just so chill, like Brad rocket, you know, mm-hmm. thanks. And uh, we didn't, you and I came up with a good nutrition strategy, which we adhere, I adhered to, but, um, I didn't spend a lot of time in like worrying about my hand ups and like being fast. Uh, cause that wasn't the ultimate goal. So I know when you're racing, you know, you want to like grab quick bottles and use that bags. And I got my camel back. I had one spare camel back out on course, Andy Pruitt, um, who Scott raced with us and he finishes 10th blood bill all under like seven twenty. <laughs> so guys machine. I know he's amazing. So he was out there him. and Andy gave me one camel back, but then they both knew like, I'm going to be way too far behind Scott after that. So that was nice. And then specialized just had their amazing crew out there. And I just stopped at the tents and grabbed bottles. And when I saw somebody, so I didn't really stash anything else on course, which I thought was an interesting point because people always talk about how fast these aid stations need to be. And yes, they need to be fast. They need to be efficient. Like, or don't like stop, like sit and have a nap or something. 
but I, I think I managed it pretty well without like a very concrete plan. Like people yeah. are out there. So like CTS was out there. I was like, going to use CTS as like another resource if I needed it and turned out I had enough, but I didn't need to like stash things. I carried all my food on my person. Like I had a little snack pack on my helmet bag too, like my little like frame bag by design, put all my snacks yeah. in there and had my camel bag. Like I wasn't grabbed, you know what I mean? So I don't know. I just think sometimes people make that sound really intimidating too. Like I think for yeah. 10 hours or whatever I rode, right? Nine, 10, nine. Anyway, 10, 10. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Something like that. Like I had, I carried all my food on my person and then I took volunteer stuff and bottles. Like water was the big one for me, but yeah. Yeah. And when I'm doing, when I'm doing nutrition, hydration planning like this for an athlete, it's always like you plan for, okay, about how long they're going to be out there. And then you plan for like the faster end if they're like flowing and doing well. And it's like, okay, you don't, you're not going to, we went, we didn't do this to win. Okay. Yeah. Allison already said that. Yeah. Um, but the thing is you want to be efficient. You want to go through there. And if it's like you're flowing and you're in a good group, you don't want to lose that group. Right. Cause you want to keep going. So it's just like super efficient, get your things. And, but then the plan, the reason why we have the plan is so that it's already in your brain before race day. Cause if you don't have a plan and you show up, you're like going to grab all the things or you're like, no, I don't need anything. I'm cool. And then you like are halfway up the hill climb. You're like, Oh wait, I should have grabbed a bottle. You know? Yeah. So it's like, it, just like anything else, a good plan is, you know, those who fail to plan, plan to fail. <laughs> but yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. I said that right. Yeah. yeah. I thought yeah, we'd have to did. do an edit on that. Yeah. Cool. Um, so anyway, so yeah, so the plan worked, that was good. Um, but the way that we were moving just a little bit on the slow end, but we still wanted to have a good day. So you start climbing Columbine and you're actually, you're a good climber. So yeah. that's your jam. It's at altitude. Yeah, I, how do you like historically, how do you respond to altitude? Like in all the bike racing days? I'm notoriously awful at altitude. Um, awful. Yeah. But uh, I actually, in all my racing, like I would do altitude camps into altitude, and we actually didn't see any performance benefits at altitude from that. But usually, when I came back to sea level, I was like, literally, like on the podium of world championships type stuff, yeah. like really good. Um, so I'm a called a poor performer, but a good responder. I think that's what we kind of called yep, it. Right? Like, you're a good responder. Yep. I'm a good responder. And this is how the longest. So we went to altitude four or five weeks before, like we were above, you know, starting the trek. I live in Petaluma. So California going up to Tahoe, the first stop and then uh, to Salt Lake. So kind of keep stepping up. Um, mm-hmm. And then to Boulder and, you know, that's the one all went wrong. But like, I think I'm, yeah, I'm not good at altitude. But this actually helped. I did notice, I mean, you lose some training. Granted, I had a really bad lead up into it, but um, none of our faults, which we can go into. But um, I didn't have any of that panic of being at 10,000 feet when I was there. So I did notice I had less of that, like, anxiety-inducing, like, panic when you go to breathe and you don't have enough oxygen. So I think we did a really good job with the altitude prep itself. Like two weeks, I know doesn't cut it for me. That's why we went on the longer side, you know, you and I on the four weeks kind of, because that's the when I start to actually notice a difference. But when we do that, we also sacrifice a little bit of the training, right? Because you can't go hard when you get to altitude at first, because that will just dig me in a hole. Yep. Yep. And, and that's a balance of it all, right? Like knowing, knowing you felt like crap historically or like a poor performer at altitude, even though I wouldn't say that that's necessarily true, but, um, you're not getting the benefit at altitude. I knew that 
increased exposure time would help for your pacing and also make you feel better because a lot of the mechanisms that regulate altitude are actually in the brain and the more exposure time, especially native exposure time you have there, training, sleeping, all the things. Cool. Body's good with it. Um, and because you do respond to that um, as well, we, we know that uh, being up there at altitude is going to be beneficial for you. Combine that with the fact that we're not going for the win. I was, you know, we weren't overly focused on like, hey, we need some supplemental oxygen training or something like that, whatever. Yeah. Um, So all good, all good. (laughs) But your climate and you're a good pacer, you're a good climber. Um, You're heading up to Columbine. It's beautiful. Tell us more about that. Oh, it it was so great. You know, and Tietzel had told me how much I was going to love Columbine and it was my jam, right? It was just so nice, gentle climb, you know, Aspens and, just yeah, beautiful. beautiful. Oh my goodness. It was so beautiful. And that was the other cool thing about not going like desperate, full, like full gas. Um, I really enjoyed the views of Led- like Leadville. I thought it was just a whole, like the whole course, it is a lot of out and back, but like, it's yep. a different view each way you go. And I thought it was beautiful. Um, so I loved it. I got to the top and then you hit that last, what, mile and a half to the top of Columbine. Yep. And I didn't okay. realize what that looked like. You told me that was chonky and there was a line and I could ride it. And I look up and just as soon as one person unclips, you unclip. And then we're just all like hiking our bikes at what, 12,000 feet. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the it was so fun like, going up Columbine too, because I see all my friends racing and they like, go Allie. And I get a cheer for them, like men and women alike. Like it was so cool. You know, everyone's just having so much fun out there. <laughs> Maybe because we don't know where we really- are. Yeah, it's a really unique experience because for, uh, I mean, many people know what Leadville is. Some people don't. It's an out and back. Mm-hmm. It's a 50 mile out and back. And the very uh, turnaround point is up at 12,000 feet. And and like you said, if you're on a certain pace, that is like probably not, it's like probably if you're not top 30 or top 40, there's just a lot of walking up there. So, you know, uh, Allison's yeah. in the, the conga line of sorts, hiking probably high-fiving all the thing and then they you have people coming down on your left right like full yeah because they're going for they're going for the podiums yeah yeah they're going for the podium yeah, so and you don't realize unique, but it's yeah it's crazy yeah it is so fun um it's just you're walking and then i didn't realize that we're actually walking on the line until i came down that that's a line you want to ride because i'm looking as we're walking i'm like i don't want to ride that oh no and i'm looking at people I'm like, like we're gonna come down this and I kind of like Adam, I was like, is there a timing chip? Can I turn around now? Like, can I just, like, how much do you want to just turn around right there? You're like, wait, I have to walk yeah, another totally. mile. And then I have to ride down this on this chunky, chunky, the section was awful, like where you had to ride. Mm-hmm. And bless their hearts, we're all walking on the place you want to ride your bike, but we're walking in the way, like, you know, obeying the rules of the road. But yeah, that was a whole nother thing. I was like, I'm going to walk this descent. I was like, I'm going to walk it. Not going to make it. But, um, all right. So, so you get yeah. up to the top, you turn around. What happens up there? Um, yeah, I kind of had a moment. I looked at the view, said thanks to the volunteers, you know, and people, some people are like very frantic. You know, they're trying to make their, their goal, which is amazing. Um, I would, you know, grab some snacks because I had snacks. So I grabbed some snacks. Um, also didn't want to spend too long up there. I was very shaky, actually. I just don't think I realized, you know, you're, you're ways into this. You're halfway, but you're, it's a negative split event. So you're actually well over halfway, I believe at this point, not by miles, but by duration. And, um, then I start going down with my snacks and I'm like still terrified of what I saw climbing up just that lap. Like 
And then I'm going down and I, I made a lot of jokes. I look and there is like a thousand people like dominoes. Like I saw them literally as just like, like a, either deck, like stacked cards or dominoes. Like, and they were just, and they're all being so nice. Like Allie, like you got this. And also telling me like, don't go over your comfort level. <laughs> like stay safe. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> and I start cracking jokes. Like, Oh, will you catch me if I fall? And I just imagined me crashing into these and watching all these people just go like, like dominoes going down the hill. And I was like, Oh no, I don't trust myself enough to do this. Like, and so I actually unclip and let, cause then I had people passing me on the descent and, I, and that was only very short. It's the very, very top, right. It's a very short little part of the descent, yeah. but it was, um, it was nerve wracking because I didn't want to put somebody else in danger, like over myself. Even I just was like, I don't know if I trust myself. What if a rock moves and I'm going down it. And then I like slip into this poor person that's just trying to like get to the top. Um, and then once it opens back up, I mean, that's, awesome but the top was actually another thing that we talked about when we make these big iconic things you talked about the two-way line on columbine and i was like yeah that's fine and then i was like oh no this is like the things i learned was power line was worse than i thought and the columbine top part was way worse than i thought (laughs) i was trying to give everyone the benefit of the doubt for being dramatic and then there i am going what in the world (laughs) you know i i will say like the top of columbine descent as you're flying down and people are coming up, it's, it's always been a very mysterious thing to me because I don't, I'm sure it's happened where like somebody coming down does run into somebody coming up. I've never heard of it happening. Mm-hmm. I always kind of like worried about it, but at the same time it's, it's mountain bikers. And it's like, you have like, those people are cheering for you and like, you're coming down and you're just like, you know, bars to the one side and they come down like, yeah, bars to the other side. You're like, yeah, man. And you don't want to hit them. But I've also never thought of hitting somebody and then the domino effect going down. But every, <laughs> if I ever do the race again, I, I probably probably won't get that out of my mind. Like, I literally oh, no, I saw them as like the little domino. card soldiers, you know, like and that, the people suddenly didn't become faces; they became like you know, like a stack dominoes. But yet they were like little soldier people, you know, where you just like flick it and they all go. I was like, I'm going to be that person that like ruins Leadville. Like people, other people ruin gravel, but suddenly I'm going to be the gravel racer that ruins Leadville. <laughs> <laughs> Tetric ruins Leadville. Yeah, I can see the headlines on that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So we're coming down. And yeah, this, um, this stretch we're talking about, not even a mile, maybe a mile. Yeah. Maybe it's a mile. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Whatever. So then we get down on, on gravel roads through the Aspens going down. Cool with that. Everything is great. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Everything was awesome. Cause then you kind of seen it all. And once I got to the Aspens again and back to the big gravel roads, I was like, Oh man, back in it. We're fine. I mean, I personally don't love descending with two way traffic. So I was probably a lot more cautious than my normal, very highly cautious state. Uh, you know, you just, what if somebody, you know, people are getting real tired out there too. So, um, that happened. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. I, truth be told, like tell all situations here. Um, people are super tired. And also I would say a lot of people think that they're way better descenders than they are coming down that thing. And it's gravel and they're like, yeah, man, I've seen people fly off in the Aspens there. I've overcooked corners personally. And you also don't know what's coming up. So it's like, even if you think that you're a great descender, you don't know like who's tired and coming up that other side. So it's like, you really do have to be careful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the race isn't won and lost there technically, but, um, so I, I mean, yeah, I was kind of a hyper alert. Um, but once that was over, then it was just awesome again. You know, you're back to yep. the grind and, you know, you and yep. I train a lot for the grind. Yep. So yep. there's really yeah, nothing between gym. there and like power line. And I was kind of nervous about power line. I mean, the rest was just, but you, you know, freaking rode power line, right? Like you rode the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah. And, uh, 
the funny thing is, is um, I'm like riding on those pavement sections in the wind and I was feeling great. And since I didn't mm-hmm. descend very well, um, according to any standard um, at all, um, <laughs> I'm like a rock star in my group. So I'm seeing people and I'm not like, I'm like, get on my wheel. Let's go at all those headwinds. So I was doing like, this is opposite of what you should do in bike racing. But I'm like, come on, like, I'll slow down, like get on. And I'm just like bringing party buses with me. But then they're like, nice. we don't want to ride with you anymore. Like, this is really hard. And I'm like, oh, sorry. But this is so fun. And um, yeah, so I, I'm like seeing Lance on course. And, and he's like a couple trees back, like holding whiskey. He's like, and I'm like, you weirdo. Like, also, I did not want whiskey, trees. which meant I was feeling great. Like, I like yeah. didn't even like take the like whiskey hand up. I was like, nah, like, wow, I know. Impressed. Yeah. I know. That waited to the end. But like, I like because everyone on course is so great and and then we go up power line and i there was this one woman that just like leans over and whispers in my ear like not whispers but like really like but like kind of close in and not yelling and she's like and i'm like riding it and i'm like man i feel great i heard like riding power lines really hard like the steep thing like the little wall part and i'm riding it and riding it and i'm like and the more people are getting excited and the people I'm passing that are walking are getting really excited. And everyone was just so happy. <laughs> and they're like kind of running alongside, which is granted faster than my riding. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a very slow section folks. Very yeah. slow. And this woman comes in my ear and she's like, you are so strong. You are inspirational. Like, thank you. And I was like, Oh my goodness. I can't fall over now. Like I got to like show her how strong I am. And I don't know. It actually worked. And she said it so emphatically. Like she meant it so sincerely. I don't know who she was, but I was like, I'm freaking going to climb this. <laughs> and it was awesome. And then I was like, cool. I guess I feel good now. And I thought, oh, Adam's going to be so proud of me. I feel good. Like I'm going to finish really strong. And that was like, like one of the best parts, like climbing that yeah. and then climbing the pavement climb was just super fun. And then it was just getting home from there. And I just met so many friends. Like, and it was funny because, you know, guys are bombing down me on the descents and and then I'm like passing him on the climbs. They're like, man, Tetrick, get it right next time. You're doing it wrong. <laughs> you know, we're heckling. And I just had such yeah. a positive experience. And then when I finished, like, it's a hard finish, by the way. Like, I don't know if they've always done this. Like, they put a wall in there, like, that I, like yeah. five, six miles to go that I didn't expect. I thought it was going to be kind of that pavement finish that we came out on. And it's totally different than mm-hmm. how you went out, which I should have ridden it. But that's back to our lessons learned. If you pre-rode, you would have known that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I, um, yeah. And I just finishing, I was actually so proud of myself, like getting across that finish line. Like I actually, I kind of had tears in my eyes. Like I was really excited. Yeah. Like I was, cause I was happy, you know, it wasn't like result, like hell yes. Like we were an hour and 10 minutes off my goal time, but you know, (laughs) it's, it's, it's always an emotional day out there. Like for, for any, at the front end, you know, with Keegan at the back end with everybody else, like everybody goes through those emotions. And I said this to one of my riders here in DC is like, you know, i really do think Leadville is probably one of the more challenging one day events, you know, out there. It has this like mystique about it. Some and people like, you know, complain because it's not really a mountain bike course, like I said before, but like it's extreme altitude. It's super high and it's always giving you punches right when you don't need them, including the boulevard where this is that like wall toward the end, uh, which always hurts. Definitely punches me in the face, uh, for sure. Um, so you get, so you get there, you have all the emotions, you're at the finish. Where's blaze at this point? You're at the finish line. Where's blaze? So I'm at the finish line and I'm like, Adam, like, I literally was telling you this, like, and this is like, I, 
you please edit this if it's such first world princess problems over here. But I get to the finish line. Rollin real here on the train ride podcast. I get there and I'm like, this is the first time I've finished these type of it's an event like this where there's um like I'm holding my bike and they give me a water and I'm like, it's not a beer. And like, I didn't have a friend at the finish line. Like no one handed me a beer. No one took my bike. They're like, good job. Like, and the volunteers are so lovely, but they're like, good job, sweetheart. You know, I'm like, where's, there's no beer. There's no bike takeaway. Like where, where am I supposed to go? And then I like sit on the ground and this woman like asks if I'm okay. And I'm like, I felt great, but I like pull out my phone and find my friends to see where Blaze is. And he's 27 miles away. And I'm like, oh boy, he has the keys to the truck um, on his person. Like we didn't stash them, air. Um, he also has my meal and drink tickets on his person in his wallet. <laughs> and um, there you have it. So the finish was interesting. So I sat there for a while. Um, I had my credit card, my ID, of course, in my pocket. And I went to a hot dog stand and bought a $4 hot dog. And I just like keep sitting in the finish gate and I don't know where to go. And I look back now, it's like 18 miles to go. I'm like, oh, this is, we're in it. Like, this is going to be a while. Yeah, it's um, not the women's Vuelta here. No. 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 I was confused. Um, Everyone's great. There's a lot of emotion. And long story short, um, I did the Olympic recap with the, um, the move podcast with Lance. And, and so I'm like, now I'm, I feel like I'm worrying the people in the finish gate because I'm still sitting there. So they think I'm like ill. I just didn't know where to go. You're the weird person that's like over here, then over there and <laughs> yeah. then over here again. And then they're like, Whoa, like there's a whole festival need- I could go to. Yeah. But I'm just sitting there cause I don't know where right. to go. <laughs> I really wanted to get out of my chamois. Right. Like I've been in it a long time as you do after 10 hours. Yes. Yeah. I was like, I want to get out. And so I'm like, I'm like, fine, I'll just go back on course. Adam's going to kill me, but I'll just ride backwards and find blaze and then ride in with him, make sure he's okay. And then he loses service, of course, and find my friends is freezing. And, um, and then I'm just going and some dude that's, you know, nice job on the podcast alley with Lance, your buddy's down there. And I was like, I can go get that whiskey now. So I go down, get the whiskey, get a full swan year, you know, like, thing you know make make him go to work a little bit and then uh See, I, I knew you were gonna get that whiskey i knew you were yeah <laughs> got that hung out and he's looking for anna and um you know i'm hanging out with the team there the we do team and that was really cool and i was like well and i told him and i was like you were just like weird like in the in the trees he's like well i'm kind of like one of those people now he's like okay fair enough you know and uh he gets on the motorbike and uh goes and finds blaze on course and goes find Anna. And then he texts me and tells me like where blaze is. And it was super cool. And he got on his, he got on his dirt bike and went and found blaze. Yeah. That's actually pretty rad. Yeah. It was super cute. And, uh, and then blaze, he got the, did he get the keys or what? He's just like your motor pace. That's what he he should have gotten the keys. Yeah. (laughs) He didn't. (laughs) He just said like, he's going to make it. And blaze made the cutoff by 14 minutes. Um, Dang, nice. he hadn't eaten anything in six hours and he was dry heaving up power line. Um, but blaze made the cutoff, like yeah. super proud of him. It was awesome. That's and a full uh, send blaze way to go. Was a full send. Yeah. I know. Yeah. And then I'm like, we cried, you know, like we were both crying. I was just so proud of him. And then he's, he's got this buddy that was riding with him that was crying. His partner was crying. I'm like, this is a really cool day. Like super cool. 
Like so much emotion and there's so much out there even when you're not. So anyone that ever wants to do the event, I think I'm one and done unless somebody really twists my arm, which apparently just takes a text message. But um, I'm pretty sure I'm one and done. (laughs) But it was it was awesome. But the yeah, so I think we did really well as a team, you and I, Adam, preparing. Um, Granted, I got sick and then crashed twice leading into it, but we didn't even get into that. But, you know, all plans. Yeah, Yeah. all all the best plans. Um, However... Allison, even though I thought this podcast would only go about 30 to 40 minutes, we went long, but there are some learnings here that I do mm-hmm. want to bring yeah. up because um, the the lead into all of this is actually, I think, where this episode is going to shine. Because for those of you who think that, you know, a, a pro rider always has like the best support or all the bikes or the greatest lead in, it's not the case. It's not the case for Leadville, even though, uh, we had really good plans. So, um, you know, clearly Leadville, it's, uh, it's a very important race for me. I mean, it's, I think it's one of the greatest challenges out there, even though I don't know if I'll ever do it again myself, but this one is super unique in that. So with Allison doing it for the first time, I was like, okay, here's what we need to do. But like, I think we did the altitude, right? So here's like a list of things we did, right? Here's things that we didn't do so well. And then we'll get into like the, the big whoopsie. So, uh, altitude, I think we did it right. The duration, the time spent, all the things pre-riding. It was non-existent, but pre-riding is very important in, in the mountain bike world, because even if we go back to, uh, team director days leading a professional team, I mean, we would literally get to the courses on Wednesday or Thursday. We would pre-ride Thursday, Friday, we would race Saturday, Sunday, and onward we go. And so pre-riding was always like the biggest thing that we did, whether it's a short course, long course, cross country, whatever. And so this is, so I was like, Allison, we need to pre-ride. We need to pre-ride. Okay. What's the plan? Okay. When you hit in the road, when you get into Leadville and it's like, no, we're doing Tahoe, this, this, this. And then we get to Boulder. We were going to pre-ride, but what happened, Allison? Oh, so we got to Boulder and I, um, took myself on a bike ride on my gravel bike, you know, queen of gravel over here, did some bike path riding. Yeah. And um, <laughs> I'm on pavement and I missed the bike path looking for the Lobo Trail, Longmont, I think Boulder Trail. And uh, I miss it and I just flip my bike real quick, like, oh, whoopsie, missed the like where that, you know, bike path goes. And I hit gravel on the pavement and just whoosh, crash and just bleeding from every, you know, joint of my body. Um, And then I had to do like the ride of shame, the four, like I'm four miles away from the house I'm staying at in my friend's house. And do the four mile bike path ride where Instagram later was like, we saw you bleeding in Boulder, you know? So that happened. That was like Monday. And then Friday, yeah. I'm like, I'm still kind of recovering from this big old sinus head cold thing. I got, I freaked out. It was COVID. I went and got a COVID test. Of course it wasn't. Um, but that's what we do now apparently. Um, and I hadn't been sick in a year, which was great. Probably due to all this stuff. And as soon as you get on the road, I got sick. So a head cold, B crash yourself out on a bike path. And then C, really embarrassing, go and do the specialized boulder Friday, TGIF, thank God it's gravel ride type thing, or thank gravel it's Friday, I don't know what it's called, but something, TGIF, Friday ride. I'm like, I don't even know if I wouldn't say this out loud, but I was Instagramming. We can always edit it later, it's fine. Yeah, you can say I was one hand on the gravel road, Instagramming, hit washboard, 
And I was down again on my road rash, got run over. But this crash was actually one of the harder ones of my career. So cracked my helmet, yep. um, bleeding from my eyebrow, my cheek, my chin, all the road rash on the road rash. Still have a hip, like I still have a hematoma on my hip. I hit really hard. And I just remember going, I hit my head, I hit my head. And Blaze and Tietzel and Heather were out there and they're staring at me. They're like, yeah, we know. But I didn't realize like my whole face is gushing blood and my helmet mm-hmm. is like dangling and it, that was really rough. And then I told you, um, and that next day we were going to go pre-ride with, you know, the King of Leadville, Scott Tietzel himself. Right. And he's yep. like, yeah, we're not riding tomorrow. Are we? <laughs> I was like, no. <laughs> so, um, all great plans. And that's when you were kept, well, you're going to ride Sunday. And then I woke up Sunday and still my head was like a little like, wah, wah. I, was like Mm-mm. I think at this point I can't race if I ride right now. So I need to just recover, um, which really sucked. And, we didn't know if I was even going to do Leadville, honestly, but it was, I was having a really hard time with it because of the whole Leadville thing, right? And I'd been planning for this and it was kind of my big goal to enjoy that weekend and to have that almost mm-hmm. taken away from me by my own apparently fault. <laughs> well, yeah, no, for sure. And, that, and that's the thing. Like once, so once we actually called and talked to each other and I realized what happened, I was like, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I was like editing training peaks. And it's like, okay, no, don't pre like rest, take care of yourself, like chill out. And I, yeah. And I was also like, we might not do this. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I don't think I ever told you that, but I was like, we might not do this and that's okay. Because, um, for any of you or for any listeners who have heard, uh, Allison on other podcasts, like she has had traumatic, uh, brain issues from crashes in, in the past. And when you hit your noggin again, after you've hit it so many times, you're like, my, my still here. Like it's, it's kind of is real scary. Yeah. Um, yeah I mean, a lot scary. of it's the physical, like that actually happens to you. And then a lot of it's the mental, like I was yeah. terrified. I, I think that night, I mean, I just kept waking up and crying. I mean, some of it was out of pain and a lot of it was just out of like complete fear, <laughs> like yeah. fear of, am mm-hmm. I going to be okay? Am I going to go back mm-hmm. to the third place? Like <laughs> it's not about Leadville anymore. It's about like my overall health and well being, And that goes back to our balance. Like I don't mm-hmm. mind having a thousand bowling balls, bless their hearts, that are cheering me on amazingly down power line if I'm choosing my health over a result. Like I always choose health over results, um, but it was really scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that yeah, we did sure. not and do that's well, but that is not our fault, except Instagram. I should not have been Instagramming. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that shouldn't have been Instagramming. But, um, you know, crashes, I mean, it's, it's never, uh, very rarely is it someone's fault and all the things. But I think what we did well was just like take the pressure off and make sure that you were healthy. Cause it's like, Hey, you're driving the ship. Like this is your decision. And yeah. I also knew that you had good people around you to, to help make that decision. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think that that's in, in all the people that were maybe riding around you or, or maybe, I don't know, like saw the results of lead boat and all the things like they probably didn't know that you had like two, not only one crazy crash, but like two crashes leading into this whole thing. You know, and that's like nuts before. And then, oh, by the way, you still did lead boat. What's up? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what we, um, we, we could learn from that. I mean, maybe, you know, crashes are fluky and it was a little yeah. fluky. Um, yeah. I, I usually can ride with one hand and be okay, but, um, it was just, it was just a combination, perfect storm type thing. And, uh, yeah, and it's nothing special about the story. It was just kind of overcoming and also being smart about it and making sure we were making mm-hmm. good decisions for, health, well-being, you know? Um, yeah, so. no, hundred percent, hundred percent. And when it comes to like game day, then in the, we already talked about nutrition, hydration, and that was solid. But I, you know, I think for our listeners as well, 
is one thing I learned. This is probably leading into Unbound or coming off of Unbound because coaching you for years and always being like, oh yeah, she's got this, you know, we, we know how to do hydration, nutrition, stuff like this. There's been some new products that came out and I was like, here, Allison, let's try this ahead of time. We had a conversation about nutrition and you're like, oh yeah, by the way, I really haven't been taking like carbohydrates and sport drink all much. I'm like, oh, huh? What? And so it opened up like, like this die, uh, this dialogue to revisit race, nutrition and hydration. And it's super weird because you are, you had commented about like post-race having like this post-race kind of like poofiness or bloat and all this kind of stuff. I was like, oh my God, this is why, because you haven't been fueling yourself. So can you tell us a little bit about what we changed there? Yeah. So it was after, I'm just remembering, it was after Gravel Locos, which was May 22nd, uh, 150 mile Texas, um, in Heiko, Texas, wonderful event, free community event. And, um, you, and I was just telling you, I faded a little bit in the last seven miles. Um, I, and I, we finished second. I tied for second with Jess Sarah. It was a fun event, but you were like, what did you eat? And I pull everything out of my pockets and I'm like telling you what I ate. And you're like, um, wrong ratio, like not enough at all. Mm -hmm. Um, so you came up with a nutrition plan for me going into unbound, which was about a week later. Um, and we discovered too more the more carbohydrates the better. But at my stomach, what I was telling you is my stomach was having a hard time with it. Um, so and you said you've noticed it, and it's me vanity and also not feeling well. But you just get I got really bloated. I've won unbound feeling just like literally my stomach is just out here and I'm puffy and super bloated and I like the food isn't going through. Like, I feel like it just sits in there and, um, you can help me with that plan. I tried some products. I use goo, but it was actually adding more water into that carbohydrate mix. So every time I had a gel, like I basically liquid energy really helped or gels with a little more, um, fluidity in them, a little more water. And then every time I had a gel, I had to make a mental note, like basically have a bottle of water with your gel or like half a bottle, like a couple sips is what you told me or as much as you can get in. And just plain water. And then we tried different carbohydrate mix and the like electrolyte and things. And I actually unbound a whole different podcast, but I think that's actually why I was I pushed myself probably too far in unbound because I think we got nutrition so dialed. Like I don't think I've ever mm-hmm. felt that good. And I carried that knowledge into Leadville and my like I felt great. Um and I finished strong. And I think we really worked on that nutrition plan, which was very beneficial. Yeah. And I mean, this is a a tell all podcast of, well, no, no, I'll admit my shortcomings is because, you know, where you have, again, like I've known you for, I don't even know how many years when working with you for several years. And, and it's like, you have this, um, race plan that's like, okay, it's, it's doing, you know, it's doing just fine. Cause we're still winning. We're doing this. And then COVID yeah. happened. And then I think a lot of our habits got off, like, you know, multiple people's either nutrition, training, communication, whatever. So it's like that, that catalyst of conversation coming up to like, wait, what? <laughs> and, um, but then after that, yeah, notice a huge tick up in performance, um, both in training and at races. And then you, it was noticeable too, like, um, in your body, like post race. So you're just like nas boofy and, and you were like recovering faster between races, which is what we needed to have this huge block of, of riding and everything that we did. So yeah, I, I was, I was like, coach, what are you not doing here? You had too much faith in me as a professional that I do know what I'm doing, but sometimes, you know, I need to, to be reminded of that. Exactly. 
Allison, let's circle back to the new bike situation. Um, I actually think that like being how tall you are and then like the, um, uh, your leg length and the reach and everything like overall, that was pretty solid. Um, over the course, like once you got to the finish line and like any aches and pains with riding this new bike or anything. No, I was super comfortable. Um, so I was pretty happy with the bike dialed. Um, it'll probably stay around for a while now. Nice. <laughs> my borrowed bike like yeah, yeah. might not go back. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. That's what I like to hear. But you know, so the learnings there, I think for listeners as well is like, there's no hard and fast rules when it comes to like bike sizing and some of these geometries, like you truly, you know, use the parameters, go to your local bike shop and get fit, um, you know, sized up properly, but then go and get a professional fit. And that's what Allison was talking about, where she had a retool fit for this bike that may not be the perfect size for her, but they had a stem and they dialed in the geometry and all this kind of stuff for, uh, for her to put in a huge ride in it, you know, so don't freak out about the size of bikes. No, I think there's, there's the touch points that matter, you know, like, and not having toe overlap and stuff is safer, of course, which I, you know, is fine, but I think it's those touch points. So for me, if my reach, my back didn't hurt, which is great. My knee, no knee pain, which is great, which means I got my setback, right. The saddle height, right. So I was like, my main concern usually is those pressure points. And then you go into the performance aspect, but I think sometimes we do overthink things as well. And so I think another thing you and I learned a lot was about adaptability and flexibility and you can plan all you can. And then, you know, I'm sitting in an anthill with a broken helmet and, you know, curious if I'm racing. And <laughs> so. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And before all this too, I mean, we put some time on this bike. Um, we knew like, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you, Allison. I did not think that you were going to get the Q O D <laughs> down, um, down power line. Like it just wasn't yeah. going to be your, your strength. So I wasn't super concerned about that. However, descending, could we have done a better, could we have put more time? Sure. Could we have done like maybe, I don't know, found a skills clinic, all this kind of stuff. How we could have went super nuts with it. We didn't looking back on it. Should we have done something more maybe, but at the same time, like, uh, Leadville, I mean, the, besides that downhill section of power line, I don't know your descending skills are just fine other than that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was fine. I mean, yes, we could have done things a little better. Um, also though, you know, we've, we've put pressure on me when that was needed in a lot of, you know, other races and events. And, you know, as you've known me the last 10,000 years, um, Mm -hmm. that sometimes too, it was actually kind of fun to be a novice and, and laugh about my, you know, (laughs) shortness, I guess, in a way, like, Yes, I would like to do it differently. Um, I think we could have done better, but also I think you were giving me that space to explore and have fun without the, you know, high pressure. But I think preparation exactly. is always key. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I told you, it's like on Powerline, just be funny, right? And like, yeah. let people come around, just like be funny to those who are coming around you and then everybody will laugh and it'll be fun. Yeah. Yeah, it was totally great. Um, and everyone was so nice, no bad experiences at all. So, and then just remember that too, when you guys are super fast, like, you know, being like, be nice to slow people too. Like when you're you're clogging your line, you know I mean? We're not trying to, and it's, I actually responded better if, you know, somebody was nice to me back, which everyone was luckily. Um, but right. Like, let's not take ourselves too seriously. It's riding bikes and then, yeah, we can all get better at things. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, life on the road. I mean, this is like your longest trip, uh, on the road since COVID. So how was like, how is that? And what would you have changed if anything 
um, throughout this whole experience. And then the last question, if you can even remember, how good is it to be home now? Oh, so nice. Um, Sorry. We were gone over about six weeks and we packed up the truck. We had a lot of intentions. We have a rooftop tent and, you know, a lot of intentions of camping and exploring. And then, um, AQI now is a word we use every day. So a bunch of fires happening. Um, it's terrifying. So that kind of limited some of the more mountainous terrain we were going to. Um, Mm -hmm. and so on the road, I don't know if you guys struggle with this too, but I mean, for me, back to the puffy, like post-race also, I get just like puffy on the road. Like you're sitting around, you're kind of atrophying, you're eating too much beef jerky or whatever. Puff is real. Yeah. Yeah. And so we also work full-time jobs. So we're trying to drive and get to altitude, get to Leadville and still work a full day. And that makes a long drive take a lot longer when you only have four to five hours to drive because you don't want to completely smash yourself. And you know, you still want to log in from eight to five or whatever your day looks like for blaze. That's what his day looks like. He's, you know, needs to be very, um, there and present. I can be a little more flexible. So he was driving, I was working like tethering Wi-Fi. and then it turns out the state of Wyoming has like no cell phone service. Um, so that's stressful. <laughs> Zero cell phone service in the entire state. And um, so, you know, that, I think though, the, that was a really long time. Um, I think we did a good job trying to, you were helping me with figuring out when I could fit in training, when my longer drive days were going to be. And then sometimes the weather was really bad and you think, okay, I got the perfect place to ride in Jackson, Wyoming and it's 48 and raining. And I sent, you know, you photos and like, I'm not riding this stuff, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, yeah. And I think, you know, when people, when they see on Instagram and they're like, Oh, my good friend is living the van life now. It must be so rad. It's, it's really, I mean, there's rad things about it, but it's, they make it look pretty good on Instagram. Let's put it that way. Yeah. So over the first six weeks, I think we only stayed at one spot at max four nights, you know, and mm-hmm. that was really, it was really stressful. It was really draining. So coming home was amazing um, mm-hmm. to get back in the schedule. Now I'm like, Oh, I go to bed at 10 and get up at seven 30. You know, like I got my routine back. Um, yep. watching like Marvel movies when I'm done working, you know, I'm like, okay, life's okay. Um, but it was, uh, bouncing back. And then that made Leadville, like Leadville very challenging too. Like you finish Leadville and I'm got to get blaze and I to steamboat and you know, that's not like best for recovery or anything. And so it was just a lot of bouncing around. Um, we were definitely ready to come home. So when we left Salt Lake on Sunday, we did Wasatch, uh, another another good long day in the bike there, the Wasatch All Road. Yeah. Oh, this is how much I like my mountain bike. I rode my mountain bike at that event. It's a gravel race, and I was like, I'm just riding it's my right, mountain right. bike. I remember you saying <laughs> that. Yeah, which I rode a full suspension mountain bike. I was like, hell yes. Um, Makes but me so you know, happy, by the way. it was just coming home, like getting home yeah. is like the full 12 hours, like on a Sunday. It's not a work day, so just get home. Um, and then reset, and then you and I have aligned on just, you know, taking some time off and reprioritizing like what we want to do like and what are like goals and pri- yeah what we want to do <laughs> yeah and i think you know what i learned from that i think for you or a good reminder is <clears throat> we don't do a lot of stuff off the bike because I've, I've suggested numerous things over time and you're you're like yoga no it's like me and yoga don't get along and i'm like okay no um, namaste over here yeah and then when we go into like off season it's like i'm running with my sister and i'm like oh my and it's because you're, you guys just go long. Your, your endurance engines are, are big. And so all you want to do is go for that nine mile run. And then we're just sore for a week. So when we just talked about this last week is just bringing in something 
that is different than the bike off the bike. And so it'll be kind of a combination of some strength training, activation work, and this kind of thing. And my whole goal with that, and this is also like on me as I'm like learning as a coach too, and or a good reminder is just like, oh yeah, this will definitely help with going back life on the road, right? Doing something when it's rainy out, doing something that will help with the cycling that could bring down some of that poofiness. And the poofiness, the information when you're on the road, you're, just, you're not moving as much. You do your training, inflammation comes in to repair the training. Then you sit, you're not as mobile as you are like at home and you're sitting there in one space. So the inflammation doesn't move around like it normally does when you're normally moving. So it's not to say that inflammation is bad. We just, we feel poofy and we associate it with bad because our joints don't move as much and we don't look great, right? When we're poofy. And so by, by moving and having some of this, that's not a bike ride, you know, to add more stress to the system, it takes, you know, takes away stress from the system of sorts. So that's one thing that actually we're going to start doing as we, as we roll forward another learning, if you will. Yay. I know my, <laughs> my only caveat was that you had blaze do it with me because I was like, I, I need an accountability partner because me doing um, anything off the bike is it's hard, you know, like we, we ride so many yeah. hours or I ride a lot of hours. And then, so I have that time off and then you want to me to like exercise more. And I, don't. So we'll see how this goes. <laughs> yeah. I, I just assume by the way, like anything I tell you to do basically blazes right there with you. So again, yeah. <laughs> sorry, blaze, but you're also welcome. Um, <laughs> but it's also not training. That's the thing. It's supplementary, but we'll, we'll okay. talk more about that. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I think the last few things I'll say is, um, you know, managing work while you're also racing your bike. I mean, that's, it's actually something that I've, uh, respected, um, of you for all the years, you know, whether it's, uh, on the pro tour or doing super epic, silly things in the mountains now. So what's your advice to listeners on, cause majority of our listeners, they're working, they're trying to do the same thing you are. So how do you do it? And what advice do you give for those trying to do the same thing? you're going to laugh because, you know, I'm going to, I disobey this advice quite a bit. Um, but I think the best thing too is, is not comparing yourself to others. So sometimes Strava is probably the worst like app for me to look at because then I get, you know, anxious about if I'm doing enough. Um, and just to kind of know you are enough, you are doing enough and to do in a big event like Leadville or Unbound, you know, these are really big bucket list events that, they're very long. They take a lot of mental duration, you know, like all this mental and physical, like strength, I don't know, all that, but you don't have to go out and go ride 12 hours to make the 12 hour Leadville cutoff. You know, like you, there's ways you can prioritize training. And once again, like I use um, CTS and obviously you, especially Adam to help me with that efficiency. So, you know, I have my like couple pillars, you know, I never like to miss my group ride. And then the rest of that, we just pepper in, what's most efficient and what phase of training we're at, but to not compare yourself to others, to find those goals that actually inspire you. And then putting your family first is really important too. Like some days that means, and I told you, like I just pitched, like I had a pitch of my life the other week and I'm like training's a wash for the next two days out. I'm like, I'm going to yeah. go get this big girl, like big girl job tomorrow. And like, I'm going to get this gig and that's okay. And you know what? I still can ride my bike really well. So I think it's, it's that it's finding that balance and then giving yourself, grace when you miss a workout because you're doing the right thing. Like maybe work was stressful or your family needs you. And I think there's that balance of when to push yourself and when to let yourself like allow to miss things or have that fun or treat or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's it. It's a, it's almost 
as I think about this and, and I'll probably have to bounce more ideas off you, but it's like deciding when the, the appropriate time periods for being out of balance is whether that, you know, out of balance in training, out of balance in work, out of balance in sleep and recovery. Right. Like, it's just like, <laughs> there's, there's really no balance, but, uh, you know, finding it all what in what works for you and what works for the family, I think is super, super important. So, um, Anything yeah, because I've performed better sometimes when your out of balance is like different than the balance you thought it was supposed to be. Like maybe I don't feel as fit, but I'm happier and yeah. then my priorities are better. So I, I agree that sometimes though, too, you can surprise yourself. Like, and then when sure. you think it's all right, if you got it out of balance in the wrong way where you're not making friends and you're living this, you know, very solo individual focused life, then it, it doesn't even, you don't enjoy it as much too. So there's, there is this weird way to like, I think you guys, you know, you and Dean used to tell me it's like, too, it's like sometimes if, if you don't feel good, it doesn't mean you can't do it, too. I also think mm-hmm. of that, like, some days I go out there, I can't believe you gave me this workout, like, man, yeah. and I feel awful, and then I just go and crush it, and I'm like, God, oh, I can do this, you know, so. But, yeah, all I was going to say is, like, usually when you're going really good and really fast and producing some of your best power, you are not feeling good, you personally. Yeah, <laughs> and agreed. Multiple people too. And, and then you come back and you look at the data and this is why the data is important is it's like, okay, this is why you're not feeling good. You just hit a peak performance all time. You're like, Oh, cool. Like, I, I guess, but it's still really hurt. <laughs> I know. Blaze always tells me, he's like, I'm like, I don't feel good today. And he's like, you never feel good on your bike. And when I read people's once again, back to not comparing yourself to others, like I read yeah. people like, I feel really fit going into this race. I've been so repaired. I'm like, never in my life have I ever felt like really good going into a race, like in my entire career. Like I'm always like, Oh yeah. no, I feel a little tired. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and it's like, yeah. If you're over rested too, you're like, I don't know. I might not be very sharp. <laughs> right. Well, cyclists have that issue. And then for you too, it's like the couple days leading up in the pre-ride and stuff. You're like, Oh, I feel blocked up. Oh, I feel good. I'm like, perfect. Yeah. We'll, we'll go real good on Saturday then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm uh, fat. <laughs> Exactly. Well, Allison, I I think we're about to wrap. I would say the final probably learning that I got from this podcast to cast out to the listeners is if you're going to do a long epic race or a long epic ride, maybe bring along the duplicate key. Yeah. (laughs) Spare set of keys and everybody carries their own. Meal and drink ticket keys. (laughs) Meal, drink ticket keys. Okay, perfect. Have the snacks planned, have the keys planned. And it all will end well. Yeah. I uh, And maybe don't do two back-to-back, you know, 100 and some crazy miles. <laughs> I know, right? Like we, we scratched the surface of lead boat. So maybe maybe we just have multiple podcasts rolling out here of all the crazy crap you're doing. But um, I think we just really want to talk about Leadville today and, and get the, the, the fresh story um, hot off the press from you. And um, you also have more things to do with your life than sit here and talk on a podcast. So yeah, you gave me you... sprints to do today. I, I know you got <laughs> upper end stuff, short and sweet, man. I'm trying to get that back up there. Keep talking, keep talking. I need a <laughs> yeah. reason to procrastinate. Exactly. So Blaze, uh, make sure she does them. Okay. That's all I need. <laughs> My highest cool. power is when I'm chasing him on the sprints. That's, that's what he's better at than me. That's for sure. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, cool. Uh, Allison, thank you for joining us once again on the train right podcast. Uh, I just really appreciate your time and you know, go out there and do your sprints. All right. Thanks coach. Right. Thanks. Thanks for joining us this week on the train right podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. Make sure to visit our website at trainwright.com 
forward slash podcast, where you can find social links, bonus content, and more about CTS. Go ahead and subscribe to the podcast so you'll never miss a show and leave us a rating on iTunes. Until next time, train hard, train smart, train right.